Welcome to Cole Sports. You have entered the zone called sports on another level. And now, here's your host, Cole Johnson. Cole Sports! I am that man, your man, the illustrious tour guide, Cole Johnson. On this episode, we're going to touch on a little Major League Baseball action, some college football action. We're also going to dive into week one of the NFL we're going to talk about opening night game, go in on something, award the dole of the weekend, do a special upon further review. But for right now, let's get to the headlines. Dateline Palo Alto. Now, other games are important for this weekend slate of college football. You have Michigan State traveling to Arizona State and head coaches Herm Edwards' first game as an Arizona State head coach. You have Georgia traveling to Columbia to face off against South Carolina. You also have Penn State and Pittsburgh renewing rivalries there. But the game of the week is USC going to the farm to play Stanford. Both teams are coming off pretty good wins. They struggled a little bit in each of their games. But hey, that's what the action's for. And. I would talk about who should be number one and all of that. The most impressive thing was LSU going up nine spots after their 33 to 17 butt whooping they gave the U. But I'm almost number one. So what else is there to say? Dateline Chicago. The play-by-play and color guy for the Detroit Tigers on TV, Mario Mpemba and Rod Allen, seem to have a wonderful on-air relationship. But on Tuesday, the fisticuffs flew and the off the field discord bubbling under the surface exploded on each other. Dateline Oakland. Well, in the injury news front, slugger for the Yankees, Aaron Judge, is getting back to swinging the bat. He's feeling it now considering that the stretch run is happening and he's gearing up for, of course, the playoffs next month. When asked about his process and progress, Judge had this to say. Quote, It's definitely a big step. Excited about the progress I'm making so far. Close quote. And when he talked about the normal soreness that you would normally have on an injury, Judge said that the wrist was fine and went further onward to say the following. Quote, That was a good sign. I really don't feel too much of anything. Hopefully, things keep moving forward in the right direction. Close quote. Well, where things are not moving in the right direction, Dateline Anaheim is pitcher slash slugger Shohei Ortana. It looks like he has to go under the knife for Tommy John's surgery, and he will not be available to pitch until 2020 it's unfortunate because that was an attraction in baseball that we haven't seen in a while and now we won't see for another while judge is coming back otani that's going to take a longer bit of healing dateline new york city Now, there's a report from the Associated Press saying that the batting average for Major League Baseball this year is on track to be its lowest in 46 years. 
well, according to the Elias Sports Bureau, in August, there were 7,034 hits, 6,818 strikeouts. So for the season, that total is 34,350 hits to 34,103 strikeouts. And this has actually been the first time in a season that hits have outpaced strikeouts at the end of a month. Interesting that we have come off of the asterisk era 20 years back where home runs were just flying out the, out the park. And now we have a season that compares to the dead ball era. Are we going to be juicing players again? I hope not. Because the asterisk era sucked the whole life out of a sport. Dateline Pittsburgh. It looks like in the Steel City, there is a little bit of trouble. The running back extraordinaire, Le'Veon Bell, who was a little salty about his contract negotiations going south, is not reporting to the team. And of course, this is now ahead of week one, where they travel to Cleveland to play the Browns this Sunday. The general manager, Kevin Colbert, had this to say about the disappearing act of one Le'Veon Bell. Quote, we are disappointed Le'Veon Bell has not signed his franchise tender and rejoined his teammates. Coach Tomlin and the coaching staff will continue to focus on preparing the players on our roster to our regular season opener on Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. Close quote. Now, other players have spotted off. Offensive linemen have said that we're doing all the work while he's getting paid two to seven times more than the line. And Ben Roethlisberger had to say that one man doesn't destroy a team. This goes out to Ben Roethlisberger. Why were you salty? Why were you salty? When the Steelers drafted a quarterback this past April, you said that one man doesn't really influence a whole team? If that's the case, you would have been okay with it, considering that after the 2016 AFC Championship game, you threatened retirement. So you see how an organization like the Steelers, a year and a half later, would say, I think we need to draft for the future. Shut the mouth, you selfish sucker. And as for Bell, he's trying to secure his future. He's been dealing with the Steelers for two off-seasons, and it's been a swing and a miss both times. And he is seeing other players, Todd Gurley, Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, Odell Beckham Jr., all getting big-time extensions for huge guarantees that range anywhere from 45 to $90 million. And I'm not talking about the quarterbacks. Position skill players are getting paid handsomely, but Bell is getting paid under market value. So the Steelers players may be salty, the organization may be salty, but you have a player in Bell who wants to secure his future and is willing to sacrifice his present for it. It's unfortunate, but I believe all parties can understand. Oh, speaking about securing that bag. Dateline Los Angeles! The aforementioned defensive lineman Aaron Donald, the reigning defending NFL Defensive Player of the Year, gets a six-year, $135 million extension. Now, the guarantee with that contract, $87 million. So this was a concern of Donald because he was seeing his other teammates, Gurley, as I mentioned earlier, and other free agents come into the fold like Sue, like Talib, like Cooks, and get signed huge deals too. And, of course, he was hoping and wondering if he was going to get broken off too or would they do Similar to what the Raiders did. Pay golf and then delay paying the defensive player. 
Well, Donald doesn't have to worry about that. He was the highest paid defensive player in NFL history for just a little while. And we will talk about who is now currently the highest paid defensive player in NFL history, because that story is ridiculous all on its own. But congratulations, Mr. Donald, you deserve to get your cheddar. You secured your bag. Now go and play dominating defensive football at the line of scrimmage and in the trenches, as we all know you're capable of doing. Dateline Philadelphia. NFL football. And the defending champs, the Eagles, hosted the Atlanta Falcons. Nip and tuck game, pretty similar to the tilt that they had on the same field only eight months prior, where the Eagles beat the Falcons 15-10. to This time, the final score was 18-12. to Really nothing to write home about for the game in general. Foles had a pedestrian 19-34 day with 117 yards and one pick. Ryan on the losing side. 21 of 43 for 251 yards and a pick. Neither quarterback threw a touchdown pass. Ajay of the Eagles gained 62 yards on the ground and scored two touchdowns. Tevin Coleman was the only scorer on the Falcons side touchdown wise. The Eagles ran pretty well. The Falcons didn't. And it looked as though the whole game they were in search of what they wanted to do as in getting an offensive identity. And it seemed like their defense that held the Eagles in check ran out of juice which is understandable but it actually was good to see nfl action again and then of course there will be other games we will watch this sunday sunday night the bears and the packers khalil mack in his bears debut and of course the monday night tilts the jets visiting detroit the rams going up to the yay area to face the raiders and exciting times are ahead Hopefully the games aren't as as this one was, but I understood it because going into it, I said that the two teams were going to feel each other out and it pretty much felt that way. It was as if they weren't sure what the other wanted to do and they it was unsure what they wanted to do themselves. So kudos to the Eagles for the victory. They are now 1-0 and they got that victory without their quarterback Carson Wentz. Any victories they can get outside of Wentz is one step closer for the Eagles to repeat as Super Bowl champions. For the Falcons, they still have to lick their wounds. They still got to find that offensive identity. Are they that two-headed monster that can run for 150 to 200 yards while Ryan carves up teams and throws to Julio Jones at whim, which he did in this game because Jones, 10 catches, 169 yards? Or... Are they the team that just likes to throw it and they have 500-yard games and Jones gets 250 or 300 yards of those 500? Whatever it is for the Falcons to compete, they need to find their identity on offense because that defense needs to be supported properly. The Eagles hopefully they do the same thing because that defense, at least that defensive line, they came up with key sacks in the last drive and it seemed like it was a repeat performance of the same game back in January. The Falcons were in the red zone. A touchdown would have won it and throws in the end zone either sailed or they just weren't in bounds. But whatever it was, they just failed to execute. But it's exciting to have football back. Later, we're going to award the Dolt of the Week. And we're going to have a good upon further review segment all waiting for you. But coming after the break. Oh, yeah, y'all. I'm gonna go in! 
Cole Sports, and sometimes you just look at stories and you just wonder, why? Why do people want to go absolutely crazy? I, I don't fully grasp this, so get this. Former NFL player Charlie Rogers, of formerly of the Seahawks, Dolphins, Texans, and Broncos, I believe. He's now turned into coaching pretty much around the junior high level. And so he decided to motivate. How he motivated, though, is why I have to go in! So I mentioned Charlie Rogers, former NFL player, now turned coach. Now he's in New Jersey coaching a junior high school team. And he looked at an opposing player that I guess he must have not liked. And he left a 44-second profanity-laced tirade directed at the player on the parent's voicemail. Here are the anecdotes of said tirade. Quote, Hey, Chris, this is Coach Charlie Dog. I'm telling you right now that today, the summertime, we're starting a game yet, dog, right? We're going to blitz every play until your guy comes out the game or don't bring him to the game. You know I'm pissed off about this right here. And I'm telling y'all, swear to God, we're going to blitz. We don't give up if we, we're going to blitz everybody. We're blitzing every single play. That's a bad move. I don't like a stupid move. We're going to blitz every single play. Hang that uphill. Every play. Close quote. Son. You can't. You can't talk about 11, 12, and 13-year-old players like that, man. You really shouldn't even talk about pro players like that. But it's a little more acceptable because we're dealing with adults there. This here, though, is off the rails. Crazy. You're there. You have NFL experience. You're there to say to the children, if you do these things, you can advance to the next level. Because I was your age and I did these things when I was 11, 12, and 13 to advance myself, to go to high school, be a standout there, go to college, be a standout there, and then go to the pros and actually have a decent NFL career. Now, I know that you probably had one, two, 20, 200 profanity-laced bits of instruction thrown in your direction. I played football. I had a few myself. I didn't say them. I just heard them from coaches. So I get it. But there you're talking about either injuring the guy or having that team bench him so he won't get injured. They're 11 years old, man. They're not supposed to be subjected to that type of violence. I get that this is a violent game. Heck, I'm sure you receive mail that is out the wazoo in your mailbox about CTE settlements that the NFL has made you probably get an update on it once a month, but it doesn't give you the right to talk to 11-year-olds and their parents that way. This is a game, a game. And I get that aggression is a part of football. I get that, that there's a little bit of a meanness to football. I get that too. 
So you have aggression, you have passion, you have competition, but you don't have violence that is unchecked like that. The cursing is bad enough. The intent to harm is where you have gone wrong, Rogers. You're not supposed to harm these players. You're supposed to teach them. Teach them technique. Teach them proper play. Teach them sportsmanship. Teach them how to win. And teach them how to be winners when they lose. Teach them discipline. Not to teach them aggression to the point where you injure someone. So the parent of the athlete, Chris Schuster, who was the target of Rogers' voicemail, when this happened, he stepped down. From his post at uh, Matawan AYF's acting president position. All because that same organization failed to do anything to Rodgers. Yes, he's still coaching. And Schuster had this to say about the whole incident and Rodgers themselves and the organization. Quote. They're always talking about holding the kids accountable. But what about the coaches? Close quote. Mr. Schuster, that's a really good question. What about the coaches? Well, we have already seen, if you need to get another look, last month, we saw a coach that was held accountable (laughs) in in Ohio, I'm sorry, the Ohio State University's Urban Meyer. Yeah, he got held accountable. A slap on the wrist for three games. See, the Ohio State loves the women, and they suspended their guy for three games. No pink slip is necessary. No suspension for the whole year. Nah, we'll we'll suspend him three weeks without pay. That should take care of it. See, that's how these organizations hold coaches accountable. They don't. So it, it doesn't shock me that Rodgers is actually coaching still. What does shock me is there's more outrage about this than it already has been. You're supposed to be, I won't say a paragon of virtue per se, Rogers. What you're supposed to be is that shining example of what it looks like on the other end of an NFL career. Cursing, that happens. That's that's sports. That isn't what bothers me. Now, would I do it? No, that's just not how my tongue rolls. But the intent to harm here is where the problem lies. You cannot coach 11, 12, and 13-year-olds, and you have the propensity to want to, well, permanently do damage to them. You're not dealing with 22 to 25 or 26-year-olds where they'll suffer a debilitating injury, but they can heal and come back, hopefully. You're dealing with 11, 12, and 13-year-olds where if you have an injury, such as the one Odell Beckham Jr. suffered last October, such as the one that Carson Wentz suffered this past December, if an 11, 12, or 13-year-old kid receives that same type of injury, they may heal, but they won't go back to the field. Not because of fear, but because they will be incapable of being as strong with that type of debilitating injury after it happened than before. I get that you want to be better than your opponent. I get that you want to usurp whatever dominance one team may have, even if they are junior high school aged. But when you tout injury, that's when you have to pump the brakes and say, no, Mm -mm. you're wrong on all levels. And that has to stop. And either Roger stops it 
or he has to go. But either way, that type of language is not necessary. When I return, Toad of the Week! needs to happen right now. Here is your next Don't of the Week! Don't of the Week is sponsored by nobody. But we still are gonna give it to you straight with no chaser. The winner of this episode's Don't of the Week is... The former Bucks, former and now current Raiders head coach, and former Monday Night Football's color analyst, Chucky, a.k.a. John Gruden. Now, I would put Mark Davis, the, the guy who looks like Gruden's brother, in this mix too, but I personally think that he is trying to get out of Dodge and be happy in Las Vegas. So in the de-evolution of the now Oakland Raiders... They decided to trade their 2016 Defensive Player of the Year, Khalil Mack, away to the Bears because he earned a six-year landmark figure of $141 million, $90 million guarantee. And that is the richest contract a defensive player has ever signed. Gruden had this to say about if he wanted Mac there and the reason why they had to let him go and trade him. Quote, It wasn't my goal to trade Khalil when we got here. One of the reasons I'm here is because of him. Unfortunately, we had a standoff with a contract and we could not come to terms. The Bears made us an offer of two first-round draft choices and here we are today. Close quote. And the draft choices he's talking about, they have the first round of the Bears for next year's draft, and they have the first round for the Bears in 2020's draft. But with that, the Bears only gave up draft picks. They didn't give up a player. So you had a player that joined, and all they suffered was two draft picks to lose. To me, that's a no-brainer for the Bears. They had to take it. A once-in-a-lifetime athlete is available for trade. You had to do everything you can to get him. And here is what Mac was seeing. So he came on the scene in 2014. He was feeling his way. 
Then in 2015, he had 16 and a half sacks. Then in 2016, he was a defensive player of the year. Then in last year, in 2017, he had 10 and a half. Now in four years, he amassed over 40 sacks for you. And for his troubles, he gets traded. And along with that, he sees his best friend on the team, Derek Carr, he gets broken off five years, $125 million extension. He's, he's happy for Derek, and that's cool. He also sees the head coach, who later talks out the side of his mouth, receiving a $100 million deal. Because for 10 years, he gets paid $10 million each year. That's college coach money. Mark Davis doesn't care. And it's like Monopoly with him. Anyway, here's what Gruden had to say about the possibility of keeping Mac. Quote, It's tough when you have two players that are the highest paid at their positions. So the economic part of it certainly weighs in. We've got free agents on our team that are going to be up for next year. We've got to find a way to bring them back. So you've got to field a 53-man roster. And there are some implications of having two players making that much money. There's no mystery to anybody. Close quote. Here's the mystery. So you mean to tell me that the purse strings can't be loosened up? Why? Because you got $100 million that you're going to pocket, Gruden? You got $100 million yourself. And you're talking about the fact that you can't afford the greatest defensive player you have had since Charles Woodson on the team? Come on, what sense does that make? You got a player who is a franchise maker. You don't trade him away before his prime. This guy can do wonders. This guy could put you in the Super Bowl, but you trade him away. Why? Because you're making too much money. Not because the Raiders don't have it. It's because you cost $10 million. And will until 2027. So don't give me this crap that you can't afford the free agents that are going to be up next year. You can afford him. If you have a quality player like Khalil Mack, who is a franchise maker, like they did with Carr a year back. You take care of that guy. Forget the free agents that you can't get. You lock down your franchise makers. Period. You lock them down. You solidify them. You make him a Raider for life. You don't pull this crap of saying, well, we don't really have the funds. We have to let him go. That's hogwash. You sign that man now. But no, you, 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 you figured. Well, he's crying foul. He, he has a contract. He should play that contract and honor it. And we'll nickel and dime him when his best friend got broken off. Don't sing that crappy song and dance to the guy. He's looking around. Gurley's getting his money. Donald's getting his money. Beckham's getting his money. Heck, even on the Bengals, Dunlap and Atkins were getting their money. Multi-year, multi-million dollar extensions. And yet, you're saying that you're crying broke? You signed this guy! 
I'm not even a Raiders fan and it gets me hot. You do not let that guy walk and let another team profit off of your pick that you thought you was going to have for 15 years. You don't do it under any circumstances. I don't care what team you are. You don't let a talent like that walk. But because you're Chucky and you're wonderful quarterbacks and you really could give a crap about every other position on the field, you let the greatest player on the defense since Charles Woodson for the Raiders go. And you let, it's 1-1A, one you let the best player on the team, or the second best, depends on what you believe, you let him go. You don't do that. <sighs> Look, I, I understand Gruden. You have been offensive coordinator, you've been quarterbacks coach, you've been head coach before. I get that. But you've been out the sport 10 years. And just because you have the ability, the skills, and the wherewithal to be a color guy on TV doesn't mean that you can go back to the sideline or the press box and coach or manage. Ask Matt Millen, who is one of the greatest color guys that has ever existed, former linebacker of the 49ers and Raiders. Ask him how his stint in Detroit was as a general manager. Because he, just like you, got this job because, not necessarily because of your past, but because you sounded good on the air and you knew what you are talking about, and you do. But you do not let those pieces go. You coast a team who had a putrid offense and had a world-class defense with Warren Sapp and Simeon Rice and Derek Brooks and John Lynch. And Ronnie Barber, you had a squad on defense. So you should know the importance of it because they're the ones who gave you a ring. The Raiders of 2001 didn't give you the ring. The Bucks of 2002 did. So that's why this does not make sense to me. You have a talent. You have a leader. You have a franchise maker. And you shop him on the open market for any team to grab. That's why I don't even hate on the Bears for whatever they were going to give up for. But no, you and your hubris had to let this guy go. Because you're probably thinking, I can coach quarterbacks. And really, the quarterback's most position, most important position on the field. True, but he's not the only position on the field. You have been a part of the NFL since the 90s. You know this better than me. I'll say this. You may know X's and O's. You may know how to operate an offense. You may know how to break down defenses. But you're not worth a darn with a checkbook. General manager skills you don't have. And when you have a player like Khalil Mack, you do not let him go. Period, exclamation point, bolded, underscored, underlined, italicized, end of discussion. You don't let a player like that off your team. You don't. You do everything you can to sign him. Whatever it took, you're supposed to keep a Khalil Mack type talent. Don't cry that you're broke, that you need Section 8 help that you need welfare checks and you let the guy go.
that's weak, that's whack, and you need to get back out of there and go back to the Monday Night Football booth where that's where you really do belong. You haven't even played a game in your time back on the sideline. And you're already screwing it up for the Raiders. When I come back, we're going to have a slight celebration and upon further review. college football landscape will also be discussed we're going to talk about if serena williams gets number 24 we hope she does we're of course are going to go in have adult of the week and we'll have another upon further view segment coming at you but that is for next week for this week it's been a monumental time hasn't it when you think about what has transpired in the landscape for the week You had landmark signings, you had great extensions, you have the impending happiness of football actually taking place on the field instead of off of it, and then there's this. The former 49ers quarterback, Colin Kaepernick, who now has a collusion case against the NFL pending, has recently won the right to actually sue the NFL to do it, and Nike seeing an opportunity where it has been. And where they always do, they hop on the Colin Kaepernick bandwagon. We'll discuss this in all of its splendor in upon further review. even if it means sacrificing everything. Close quote. That was how Nike announced their 30th anniversary Just Do It campaign celebration kicking off. And who has become the new face of Nike? Well, it's been none other than the deposed 49ers quarterback, Colin Kaepernick, the one who now runs a camp called Know Your Rights, the one that has donated at least a million dollars to charity and has done a fundraiser to pick up pretty similar funds, the one who has actually done missions trips like Feed a Country of Somalia who was having issues with food and other things that I can't really think of at the moment. It's just been interesting to see how all of this has shaped 
the landscape and how <laughs> how murky the waters keep getting. For those who have been living under a rock, this time two years ago, Kaepernick was a quarterback on the San Francisco 49ers. In July, you had two murders of guys who were armed, but they did not have their weapons drawn and both got killed by police officers. That and, of course, many other incidents similar to that touched this guy and he sat on the bench. One week, no peep. Sat on the bench another week, not a peep. Sat on the bench a third week, it was finally addressed to this firestorm, which caused Kaepernick to say that he just simply couldn't stand up for a flag that represents the killing of unarmed people, especially people of color. Then a letter was drafted to him, an open letter, by Navy SEALs Nate Boyer, saying that it felt a little bad to him that, well, he felt disgruntled about America and how how it has been, and the fact that he was sitting on the bench during the national anthem. And so he said, well, to quell that, why don't you do this practice that we do? Now, in certain situations in the military, it normally happens when a soldier is killed in the line of duty and colors are presented to the surviving members of his family or her family. So, of course, they do the 21-gun salute. They do the tap song. They fold the colors. And then one soldier walks to the head of the surviving member's family and he presents the colors in a kneeled position. I've seen this firsthand. Boyer said, why don't you do that? And I figured, and this this is not what was in the letter, but I figure he said this considering that, well, we kneel in a ceremony like that to honor those who have fallen. So I think in Boyer's mind, he was saying to Kaepernick, you can do the kneeling then to respect those who fell, respect those who whose lives were taken prematurely and unnecessarily. Like the two people I just mentioned, like a Tamir Rice, like a Trayvon Martin, like an Eric Garner, like a Sandra Bland, like an Eric Gray. And I can go onward and onward. And so he heard Boyer and he knelt from that point forward. So for the next 730 days, anybody who has knelt from the conservative end, it has been cap on whomever, if ever they kneel for the national anthem. Now, I've I've said this before, I'll say it again. There have been things that Kaepernick has done that has not been tasteful to me. Castro shirt is one. Pig socks, another. Not voting in the 2016 presidential election, another. I support his right to do what he wants to do, but would I do everything that he has done? No. I wouldn't kneel either. I would stand up because I fought for this country. But in the second week, I was a soldier. I remember my commanding officer saying to all of us, you represent then the 290 million Americans who are on this soil, whether we are here or abroad. And it is your job and your duty to fight for the rights of every American so that they can uphold whatever they want and they can have the freedom to do whatever they so choose because you're fighting for them. So I don't have the right to pass along to anyone else like a fascist. You must stand. You must put your hand over your heart. You must sing the national anthem when it's played. I fought for the right for any and every American to do what they so desire, as long as they peacefully do it. Now, the president of these United States, Donald Trump, or 45, could not, of course, let this momentous occasion pass by and fail to comment. Quote, there is no reason to use Kaepernick in the marketing campaign, but I think it is a terrible message that they're sending and the purpose of them doing it. 
maybe there's a reason for them doing it. But I think as far as sending a message, I think it's a terrible message and a message that shouldn't be sent. There's no reason for it. Close quote. Well, if you look out and you see the myriads of people burning Nikes, some with them wearing the Nikes and burning them, some burning their houses down, burning their Nike paraphernalia, then you understand why Nike, (laughs) quote, just did it. Close quote. Because the NFL, who Nike happens to be a sponsor for, because Nike is the official licensed apparel of the NFL, this is what they had to say about the Nike Just Do It campaign with Colin Kaepernick's face adorning it. Quote, The National Football League believes in dialogue, understanding, and unity. We embrace the role and responsibility of everyone involved with this game to promote meaningful, positive change in our communities. The social justice issues that Colin and other professional athletes have raised deserve our attention and action. Close quote. And that comes from the executive vice president of communications and public affairs for the NFL, Jocelyn Moore. Why did I just read that to you? Well... The NFL has been hemming and hawing about this subject for these last two years. Now, that is how the picture has been for the NFL. So now you have Nike supporting, to me, the poster child right now of social justice. And they are the licensed apparel champion for the NFL, but they market brilliantly. And now with Kaepernick dealing with Issues that we have not seen an athlete handle since the late 1960s with Muhammad Ali. Guess who decides to not only make the face of the product, but have a line dedicated to him, have shoes dedicated to him and pay for him from the time he was not a 49er to this moment. That is huge. That's big because you have Nike legitimizing not just Colin Kaepernick, but it legitimizes his struggle. But those who are saying, down with the man, and you can't partner with a sponsor. You can't partner with a white sponsor. Well, I got something to show you. Now, back in 1964, right after Martin Luther King Jr. won his Nobel Peace Prize, the city of Atlanta wanted to host a dinner for his honor. Well, I mentioned the year 1964. I mentioned the city, Atlanta. So you pretty much know that you had a lot of rednecks who looked at King, thought of him as a, and proceeded to say, no, we're not going to support this guy. You can have your dinner, take it and shove it. Well, it took Coca-Cola, who's a big name, not just in America, but in Atlanta, because Coca-Cola's home is in Atlanta. It took Coca-Cola sponsoring the dinner for the tickets to fly off the shelves and for it to be a successful dinner. Now, did Dr. King ask for Coca-Cola to sponsor the dinner? No, but Coca-Cola legitimized Martin Luther King as a figure that is worth money, worth time, and worth a microphone. That what he is saying and what he is doing is worth our attention. Fast forward 54 years later, Nike has done the exact same 
thing. Because I'm sure Kaepernick did not go to Nike and say, could you please fund me? No. Colin Kaepernick's platform, Know Your Rights, the donations, the the charities that he's done, the stance that he has, the suit, the lawsuit that he has against the NFL currently, all have been legitimized. So he's not just some guy who decides he's going to protest and that's it. No. He's now someone we all have to take serious whether you decide to burn up Nikes or shake the man's hand, whether you are a detractor or a fan, whether you are conservative or you're liberal, whether you believe in what President Trump says that it sends a terrible message or you believe the message of Nike saying that you can believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. And let me go back to that. In lieu of that message, they decided to prop up the late Pat Tillman in saying this is a guy who sacrificed everything. Let me tell you a little bit about Pat Tillman. He was making a good chunk of change as an Arizona Cardinal safety. And he felt within his heart that he needed to serve his country. And he left the NFL and became a soldier. Well, he saw the hypocrisy of it there. He rallied against it. And then he suffered a death from, quote, friendly fire. Close quote. And so ever since then, they've been at it, trying to smooth it over. But Tillman would be the type of guy would see Kaepernick and would pretty much do like what Nate Boyer did and support him for doing it. So when I see that as a counter, I'm like, the wrong choice. He's subscribing to what James Baldwin has said about America. And this is what Kaepernick is doing, saying, practicing, and now profiting. And congratulations to you, Colin, for being the new face of Nike. But this is what James Baldwin has said about America. Quote, The United States of America is the greatest country on this planet. And it is for that reason that I reserve the right to criticize her perpetually. Close quote. like this episode or any episode that you have heard thus far subscribe to coldsports.com the subscribe button is waiting for you you can subscribe on itunes slash apple podcast you can subscribe on the cold sports with a z platform you can listen to this show anywhere you can listen to it but no matter what no matter where you can find cold sports on the following platforms on Instagram, it is Cold Sports with a Z. On Facebook, it's at Cold Sports with a Z. On Twitter, it's at Cole underscore Sports with a Z. I'm also on YouTube. That's coming back on the daily. Also on Instagram TV, I'm going to redo the hot corner. But no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, I want you to do these three simple things. As you spread the name of Cold Sports with a Z dot com. And that is tell a friend to tell a friend and spread the word and the love. Be blessed, highly favored, and love your neighbor and be loved on by your neighbor. And enjoy the content. Thank you so much, VIP. For the Intelligent Sportsman, I am Cole Johnson. And this is...
You've been listening to Cole Sports with Cole Johnson.